I want to talk to you tonight about programming your life for, for victory. And, of course, we know that uh, the Bible tells us this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So it has something, of course, to do with the Word of God. But just to remind you to, to return in your life over and over again. You know, I love that song because it speaks of going back to the Father no matter what's going on in your life. Aren't you glad you can go back to Him even if you fail? Amen. Even if things don't work out, even if there's some kind of a you know issue in your life, you can return time and time again. Well, I want to encourage you to do the same thing in terms of you know the things that you say out of your mouth, making sure that the words of your mouth are consistent with what God's word says. You know, it's a terrible thing to be trying to contradict God. Like that's going to work out. No, our job is not to say we have a better idea. Our job is to do what? Forsake our, our wicked thoughts, amen, in our ways, and take on the things of God, take on His thoughts and His words. It said in Matthew 4, 4, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes or proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And we've learned, of course, in Proverbs 18, 21, just a couple of scriptures here to review with you. The tongue has the power of life and death. Now, if you don't have this down, write it in the margin of your Bible, write it in your notes, the tongue literally has the delegated authority of heaven, amen, in it, for life and for death. And Scripture talks about those that love it, and we eat its fruit, but not everybody understands, and some people who understand just simply don't believe and receive it. But the reason this is true is that you and I are made speaking spirits in the image of our Father. We're made in the image of God Himself. And what distinguishes Him, of course, is His ability to, to form fashion and speak words at will, you know, he's not some idol on a shelf that doesn't speak and can't hear. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Not only does he hear, he speaks. And your job is, of course, to have a, a, a hearing ear, but a speaking voice as well. And using that for life and not life and not for death. Now, I can tell you this. The Word says, let every word be established by what? Two or three witnesses. When you find dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures on a topic, you know that God is emphasizing that for a reason. In the book of Proverbs alone, there are over 80 references to the lips, to the tongue, and to the mouth. I think he had revelation on the mouth. He didn't have revelation on women. <laughs> did you just poke Charlie? Is that what you did? Okay. <laughs> but you know what? He was a work in progress like the rest of us. But um, boy, I'll tell you what, when you read what he had to say about the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, about the tongue... It's worth paying attention to. He said things like, people are ensnared by the words of their own mouth, Proverbs 6, 1 and 2. Many believers yield their words, you know, in the past few years because of things that have happened. They just need to get back on the Word of God again. One of the easiest things to do is to slip back into speaking what is, speaking experience, speaking how you feel, speaking with what we call a perverse tongue. And for our knowledge and understanding tonight, a perverse tongue is a tongue that contradicts the Word of God. I'm sorry, but your words do not rise above the authority of the Word of God. Your job is to make sure that you comply with what He has said. And if you're talking contrary or perpendicular, as Brother, Brother Copeland would say, to the Word of God, you've got a problem. Amen. Um, one of the ways we can tell if we're living an emotion-ruled life instead of a spirit-led life is the words that are coming out of our mouth. Nothing reveals our current faith level faster Nothing tells more about our spiritual health than the things that are coming out of our mouth. And that's true for me, and that's true for you. Now, my brother-in-law used to say it like this. He goes, you will rise or fall to the level of the confession of your mouth. And here's what he always said, and there are no exceptions. 
You're thinking it's different for you. This stuff doesn't work for you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? It is working for you, but you just don't want to recognize the reality of its force and wait in your life sometimes, especially, you know, if the devil's doing a, a number on you in terms of deception. I like what Wim always teaches about deception. The problem with, with deception is you don't know you're deceived. That's why you have to pay attention to people in your life, mentors and spiritual leaders, that when you go to being confused or have doubts about things, you need to talk, not isolate yourself from those that have been given charge of you. You know that God has, has placed us as pastors as charge over your souls, whether you let us do our job or not. I mean, dear God, let us do our job. Don't try to navigate demonic activity and spiritual warfare by yourself when you have pastors and spiritual leaders that are perfectly willing to help you. Amen. But when it comes to this particular revelation, you'll find out real quickly where you're at just by listening to yourself. Brother Hagin used to say all the time, I can tell in 30 seconds where somebody is spiritually just by listening to them. That's pretty fast, isn't it? <laughs> Some of you are going, okay. <laughs> Amen. So we either need to return to right words or we need to invest in duct tape. How many of us want to return to right speaking? Amen. Faith begins, F.F. Bosworth said, where the will of God is known. And the word of God is revealed by the word of God. And you and I have to know what that will is and have to line up with it and have to make up our mind that we're going to live that way, but we're also going to talk that way. Here's the funny thing. If you won't talk right, you won't live right. It's just not going to happen. It all flows that way. Where did you get that from? Joshua was told to meditate day and night upon the Word. Amen. He said, don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, don't stop talking the Word. He said, if you do this, then it will what? It will cause you to do the right thing, to be obedient. And in your obedience, you'll what? You'll make your way successful or victorious. So you can literally program your life for victory or for defeat for success or failure by the things that you actually say. What you meditate upon, you say what you say, it pushes your body in the direction, your life in the direction of what you have said and what you have meditated upon. And in doing what God's Word says, because you have meditated and spoken on that, because you have done those things, it's producing success and victory in your life. Now, whenever you share these things, you have some people sitting there going, well, you know what, I guess you know, everything's happened in my life is because I didn't say the right thing or, or didn't say the right thing or I said something that I shouldn't have said, whatever. Listen, this is not in some kind of vacuum somewhere. This is not a formula for you. It's a principle. No. Raise your hand if you know the difference between a formula and a principle. Yes. Yes. It's a principle. You're not out there you know, in some bubble or pulling some, some kind of a slot machine. And if you just hit it just right, you're going to have everything come up and you're going to be you know, this, you know, this great reward, you know, so to speak. But it does work as a principle in your life. And you're going to receive more, get more, have more victory, have more peace, have more joy, watching what you say than being loose with your lips. Because by and large, pound for pound, amen, as you measure this out, you and I are living in a world that we're creating with our own words. That's how the Father created the world, and it's how you create your world. The good news is, if you've been saying garbage, you can call, you can just, you know, command that stuff to die and fall to the ground and bear no fruit and start putting God's word back in your mouth again. I have never met anybody who, who've been taught these things that had this thing 100%. And I've never met anyone that didn't have to go back and say, you know what, the same thing I learned years ago, I had to re, re, you know, relearn and apply because I wasn't doing it. That's it. I remember when KCM was $6 million in debt on television. 
And, uh, you know, they thought, well, if you sell the land over here, sell gas rights, we can pay off the bill. And the Lord said, okay, so what are you going to do next month? 1.5 million a month racking up. That's pretty fast, isn't it? Well, um, he began to seek the Lord, and, uh, you know, George Pearson's another, began to talk to the Lord because he was, he was the executive director at the time. And you know what the Lord told Brother Copeland? He said, the problem is your big mouth. Now imagine that. Imagine the guy that wrote the book on the power of the tongue. The Lord tells him, guess what? You know that book you wrote? You're not keeping it. And they began to get their mouth back onto the Word of God instead of speaking the problem, speaking the debt, speaking the pressure, speaking solutions that are coming out of their flesh. They began to get back on the Word of God. And they said, we don't know what happened, but it's in a few short months. There wasn't some big chunk that came in. He said, God completely wiped that out, and it's never been in debt again. In fact, it's 2,000 acres, hundreds and thousands of square feet of buildings, and there's not a single dime of debt on that ministry. With what? With the mouth. Uh, you and I, you know, sometimes get into the habit just like that of forgetting things that we have learned. At least we've heard them. But we can't just go off what we heard a long time ago. You can't live off the food you ate last month. You're not going to live very long. You can't live off the water you drank three days ago. You have to be hydrated. You have to be fed. Spiritually, it's the same way. So, faith begins where the will of God is known. But knowing it, we need to believe it. And believing it, we need to say it. And saying it, we need to do it. And if we do, we'll make our way, just like Joshua said. And that was a promise to Joshua. Does that make sense? If the principle was for Joshua, it's for you as well. That's right. Um, if you do it, you'll make your way. Look at somebody and say, I'll make my way victorious and successful. And you know, the only time Joshua had defeat was when? When he didn't do what the Lord told him to do. Go figure. How about that? If you do what the Lord tells you to do, you'll have victory. If you don't do what the Lord tells you to do, you'll have defeat. This is so complicated. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about this. Words have power. You and I live in a word-ruled universe. The Bible literally says that God upholds what all things with his powerful word. It is the word that upholds the universe. It's the world that it's the world itself is, is upheld by the word. Your world is upheld by the word of God as well. Think of it like this: words are seeds, they reproduce after their own kind. If you want a certain kind of harvest, you have to give a certain kind of seed. If you don't like what's cropped up, you know, in your life, it's not, it didn't get there by accident. There's no farmer that sows soybeans and then complains because you got soybeans in the fall. No. Who's the one that put it in there? He did. He did. You and I are getting a crop off of things we've actually sown. So words are seeds. It's a powerful thing. And I would like to say it like this. Every word, every thought, every seed, every, every deed, brother, is a seed. Say so it would be every thought. Every word, every deed is a seed. Let that sink into your heart tonight. Every thought, every word, every deed is a seed. You see, like most people in secular society and most Americans now, and it's getting worse by, by generation, we want to blame somebody else for the way things are. Instead of saying, maybe it's my thoughts, my words, my deeds. It's great. It's easy to blame everybody else. Take no responsibility whatsoever for what's going on right now in your life. But you know, if you want to see a change, you're going to have to start realizing that you, if you, if you change the seeds, you change the harvest. Yeah. 
Amen? Words are vehicles. Uh, they carry things, and you decide what they carry. Words are like steering wheels or a rudder. They determine where you go in life. That's James' revelation, James chapter 3. That's how powerful your mouth is. He compared it to a rudder. I mean, a rudder is a very small place on a ship. I mean, a very small amount of material relative to the bulk of that ship. And yet, all they have to do is put pressure on that to change the entire direction of that massive vessel. You know, fundamentally, the way that you would change, you know, say a little John boat, its direction, is the same way you change the direction of an aircraft carrier. Same principle. Big or small, that's how you change the direction of any kind of a vessel. And that's the same way with you and me. Now, most of us aren't, you know, rowing around a boat every day, but every one of us probably driving a car any given week. And your steering wheel, wherever it is turned, determines where you go. And if you don't like where you're going, no, it's somebody else's fault. <laughs> no, it's it's your fault. You know, after mom and dad first moved here, uh, I had a, a little tracker on her phone, which she very quickly found and removed. <laughs> yeah, don't let her fool you. It's always always watching. <laughs> and um, I'm like, you know, they should have been back a long time ago. They went up to Southern Illinois, and they should have been back a long time ago. And so I'm, I'm watching this, and in, instead of being, you know, on I-24 headed towards the Purchase Parkway, they're all the way down near Charleston, Missouri. And uh, what they had done, instead of taking the exit to go to the Nashville on I-57, they went to the Memphis route. <laughs> and fortunately, they ran into this elder gentleman down in Charleston at a gas station who, who said, you know what, I've done the exact same thing you've done a thousand times and told him how to get back. But you know, whose fault was it? It wasn't my fault, amen. <laughs> All I did was see the little blue dot going where it should have been going. Um, they, what, missed a turn. But, but the car didn't go there on its own. No. Somebody had to what? Had to turn the wheel to take that particular road instead of the road they should have taken. You and I do this every single day with our mouth. Doing it after weeks and months and years, it can have great consequences in your life. He who has ears to hear, let him what? Let him hear it. Words are like a mirror. They reflect things such as our hearts, what's in our heart, our thoughts, our attitudes, our motivations, and our beliefs. Let me say that again. Words are like a mirror. They'll reflect your thoughts and your attitudes and your motivations and your beliefs. In other words, what you truly believe eventually comes out of your mouth. You can't stop it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the scripture says the mouth, what? Out of the abundance of just some, some mouths or every mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is actually going to speak. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 and 35. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. If it's true, and it is, this is the teaching of Jesus. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the good man brings good things or brings evil things. Who's the one that, that stored them in there? You did. I didn't. It didn't happen by accident. Who came in and stored all this stuff in my heart? No. It's from your inputs. It's from what you put in your eye gate. Say eye gate. Eye gate. Say ear gate. Ear gate. Say mouth gate. Mouth 
the things that you put in your eye gate, ear gate, and your, in your mouth gate are going to come out again. You store them up. That's why it's so critical in the times we're in right now to make sure you're storing things that are going to produce peace and victory in your life. Understand this. It's never just talk. We're just talking. No, you're not. You're sowing seeds. Well, I'm just venting. No, you're not. You're sowing seeds. And how many people, even in Christian psychology, will tell people, well, you just need to vent. No, you need to follow Scripture. Right. Never take any counsel that directly contradicts Scripture. Right. Ever. Amen. I don't care how many degrees they have or somebody recommended you talk to that person. If they are telling you to contradict the Word of God, just be polite. You don't have to be mean about it. But just be polite. Say, well, I think I'll just stick to the Word of God on this. Because the venting oftentimes is nothing more than complaining, right. nothing more than backbiting, nothing more than what? Grumbling. Grumbling, complaining, slandering, and gossip, all the things that God forbids. In fact, you know, the Bible's very, very plain. Peter talked about this. We're supposed to be operating in a degree of holiness and purity. The same message was given to the Colossians, rules for holy living. And it includes not only doing things that you shouldn't be doing with your body, or taking things or going places with your body, your heart as well should be pure. Your mouth should be pure over time. So be careful when someone tries to give you counsel that directly contradicts the Word of God. It's not going to work out for you. Amen. Everything around us today seems to be digital and programmable. Mm -hmm. Televisions, your phones, amen. Hallelujah. I mean, you can, you can set everything up so everything is automatic. You can change the temperature of your house from your phone a thousand miles away. Does that make sense? And how is all that done? It's all done with programming. It's all done with code. Now, I was never a coder. I don't really understand it. I mean, in terms of programming computers. Medical coding was something else. That was for insurance purposes and basically for, for billing purposes. But in terms of, of computer programming, that's just not something I ever do. I just want to turn it on and use it. How many are the same way? I'm pretty much the same way about everything. I just want the toaster to work. Amen. I just want the Keurig to work or the coffee pot to work. I just want the television to work. I just want things to work. When I'm using them, I want them to work. But I don't know anything about all the coding that has gone into all these products and all these smart products. In other words, computer code is a sequence or set of instructions in programming language for a computer to execute some kind of function or some kind of you know activity. Everything around you is programmed that way. But guess what? The human being is programmed as well. And the way that you program your life is by the words that you say. Like it or not, you're living in a world that words were created, you, know, you created with your words. But guess what? You can change your world by changing the things that you say. And you can't say, I don't know who coded this. I can say, I don't know who coded, you know, a software I might be using today. I don't know who coded, you know, a smart device. Somebody did somewhere had to put that language in there so it would function and function consistently time and time again. It would work the same way every single time. Could you imagine how confusing it would be if our devices worked differently every time you turn them on? I was one of those first-generation iPhone, um, you know, early adopters. I've always been that way. I, I don't care if I know how to use it. Let's just get one. And then when I opened the box, there were no instructions. Now that seems like a stupid thing to us now. Okay, you need instructions. But guess what? When this new product came out, there were no instructions. You know what the instructions were? Play with the phone until you understand how to work it. Yeah. 
That's, <laughs> that was it. Could you imagine if every day somebody just for fun changed the rules? Somebody programmed that with code. And somebody is programming your life every single day. And guess who speaks the most over you? You do. You're responsible for more of the content in the code than anybody else. You might as well make sure it's consistent code with the Word of God. So you can consistently work the way that God wants you to work and have the victory that He wants you to have. In Genesis 1, we're told that before God spoke, before words were uttered, there was emptiness, there was void, there was darkness, there was no revelation, there was no light, there was no activity, there was no life. How do you thank God, though, when God spoke and the Holy Ghost began to move? You and I want the Holy Ghost to move without speaking. It's just not going to happen. Well, if we just pray hard enough, the Holy Ghost will move. You know, He doesn't respond to our cries in terms of our emotion. He responds to faith. And what we do is we fill our hearts and mouths with faith-filled words, and that's when He begins to move, and that's when voids are pushed out, and that's when darkness is pushed out, and that's when light comes and revelation comes. He begins to move when you put faith-filled words in your heart and mouth and speak them out on purpose. There is no void, there is no lack, there's no emptiness that God's word in your mouth cannot fill. Not a single void. Let me say it again. There is no void, no lack, there's no emptiness that God's word in your heart cannot fill. Gloria Copeland said it like this, The word of God conceived in the heart, formed by the tongue, and spoken out of the mouth is creative power. I want you to say that with me. The word of God conceived in the heart, formed by the tongue, and spoken out of the mouth is creative power. What does creative power do? It creates things. Amen. You say, well, uh, how come we just don't instinctively get this, you know, the first day we're in Sunday school as a kid? Because first of all, it comes by revelation. And this happens when we run revelation that the devil constantly works in wars against because he wants you to see yourself as a natural being who happens to get saved and go to heaven one day. You are a spiritual being having a physical experience. You understand that? Say it with me. I am a spiritual being having a physical experience. That physicality likes to drive out the spiritual preeminence in your life. And the spiritual preeminence in your life is, is indicated by things like faith in Christ and prayer and reading the Word and attending church. But day by day, that preeminence is, 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 is demonstrated by dominating the flesh aspect with the things of God like the Word of God. So when you and I just, uh, you know, we, we talk just like the world, we sound just like the world, we're opting to have more of a physical experience with a smattering of spiritual experiences along the way. You're supposed to be living a spiritual experience in life right now. You just happen to be in a body. You know what? The kind of body you have right now is going to be very short-lived no matter how long you live on this planet. The new flesh that's coming is a whole different matter. But guess what? You will always been and have always been since the time of your birth, a spirit being made in the image of God. Some people look at us like we're crazy because we're life people. Why they can't understand why we're so, you know, dogmatic about this? It's because you're trying to snuff out something God created. Mm -hmm. Amen. That is a spirit being made in the image of God. Given an earth suit to live out a purpose on this life, I'd say like this, I don't care how you were conceived or someone else was conceived, if someone is conceived, God has a plan to use that conception and that child for His glory. 
But make no mistake about it, every single one of those little ones are spirit beings. Yes, they are. But something happens when we come into this earth. We start living as if the physical is everything. And it's not. Say it with me, I'm a spiritual being having a physical experience. Your tongue is the deciding factor in your life. Whose tongue? Yours. Let every word be established by every what? Two or three witnesses. Uh, you can agree with God or you can agree with the devil, but you can't do both. Amen. I like what Brother Copeland said about this. No storm is so great that as a believer you cannot overcome it with God's word in your mouth. Your confession, listen to this, your confession will control your ship in the storm. Have you ever been in a storm? Say it with me. My confession will control my ship in the midst of that storm. What happens if you don't have right words? Well, you're tossed to and fro. You're more likely to yield to emotions. You know, when Paul was facing the shipwreck because they didn't listen to him and he was quick to point that out to him, you sure to listen to me. Amen. He brought words from heaven and he confessed words from heaven. And he said, there'll be no loss of life if you listen to me. You lose the ship, you lose the cargo, but there'll be no loss of life. He was bringing what? And confessing words that God gave him. That's what you want to do in a storm is stick to what did God say? It's going to be hard to do if for the previous three or four or five years you've been living in the flesh and talking just like the world. In other words, when you find yourself in a storm, or you know, in the near future, whenever you find it, and that's it. We're, you know, we're subject to persecution. Are you here today? And it's getting worse and worse and worse in America, unbelievers. When you find yourself in a storm, you better have been practicing right confession before the storm. Because it's highly unlikely you're going to start changing your confession in the midst of the storm. If you've not been practicing this before the storm hit. Amen. Second yeah. Chronicles 16.9 to show you how powerful this. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. But God is running throughout the earth looking for the voice of faith in the earth. And He'll pass over a million people to find the one giving voice to their faith. He wants to show Himself strong on their behalf. But you know, there's sometimes when he can't find a voice of faith very easily. Amen. A voice of what is, a voice of experience, a voice of sorrow, gloom, and doom, and despair. Now he's looking for a voice of faith. When he finds it, he's going to release power, do supernatural things in us and through us. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Jeremiah 1.12 says, I'm watching to see my, that my word is fulfilled. Isn't that wonderful? So you put God's word in your mouth and you release it by faith. What is God doing? He's going to bring it to pass. It's not your job to bring it to pass. It's your job to believe it and speak it. His job to bring it to pass. Your job is to be faithful what comes out of your mouth. Be diligent. God's watching over his word to perform it. And you and I are to give voice to our faith diligently. And the question is, if we're doing that, where are the results? Not understanding where you might be experiencing some measure of delay or frustration and getting diligent. The first thing is, you know, repent if you're not speaking right and get diligent in a habit of speaking the word. But you, you can find yourself longing and waiting for things and not understanding why there might be a delay in your life. Now, I want to just point this out to you and at least get to this part of the message tonight. And Mark Hankins said a very powerful thing. He said, you know, when, when God wants to change someone, the first thing he'll do is touch their mouth. 
We see this in Jeremiah. God touched his mouth. We see this in Isaiah 6, where, Isaiah 6, where God took what? The took the coals to the mouth. And he basically, Isaiah standing before God in conviction, he could have mentioned any sin, any kind of rebellion, any kind of idolatry. But you know what comes out of his mouth? I am what? I'm a man of unclean lips, and I what? I dwell among a people of unclean lips, out of all the things in the presence of God. Now, you know, if you or I were in his presence right now, I mean, literally, we would feel convicted. And out of all the things we feel convicted about, Isaiah was first and foremost convicted about what? A mouth that's going crosswise with God's word. That's the point here. Hankins was saying this, and it's true in Scripture. Oftentimes, when people want to change in their lives, they focus on the superficial. They focus on the natural. They focus on the fleshly. They say, you know what? I want to change my life, so what I'll do is I'll change my hairstyle. Well, that's great, but guess what? Amen? Is that going to work for real victory? No. Well, it makes me feel better about myself. That's great, but is it really producing results in your life? Amen? People are stunned to find out that, uh, you know, Dolly Parton wears wigs. That's not her real hair. She'll often go out with her husband and people won't recognize her. She says, it's just easy for me just to throw one on, you know, and get ready for whatever I'm doing. Uh, but is, is that the key to her success, her hair? No. You have to understand something tonight, that you and I, uh, if we're not careful, instead of dealing with the real root issues, we'll focus on the superficial and then wonder why it's not producing results in our life. And not only is it not producing for you, you'll find yourself cycling back through them over and over and over again, being frustrated. People will do this. They'll change their hair. They'll, they'll change their clothes. If I just dress differently, then everything would be great. Well, okay, so you were a slob with a negative mouth before. But now, what? You dress nice with a negative mouth. It's not going to work for you. You might as well stay a slob. They'll change their clothes. They'll change their house. What we need is a new house. So we need somewhere else to live. That will fix everything. That will be as the house is the problem. The hair is the problem. The clothes are the problem. No. They'll change their job or their career. And sometimes God does transition us. But understand this, if that's where you think you're going to find the victory and the peace, you're making a mistake. It's not about that. They'll change their zip code. If we could just live here or live over there, then everything would be great. Watch and see how all this really is external to what the real issue is. I can't tell you how many people have told me with straight face, you know, we're going to move such and such a place because we believe this is where God has for us and, and we'll be happy there. And, and one, one lady told Kelly, said the shopping's really good in this city. You mean you tell me you based a move on shopping and restaurants? Boy, that's, that's really deep, isn't it? Look at somebody and say, superficial. You're not dealing with the real issues there. Well, if I just had the right spouse. You know what the problem with that thinking is? If you trade in your spouse with somebody else, there's still somebody in that equation. You. Or you have somebody who's single and they say, well, if I just get married, then everything will be great. And all the married people in this room said, it's a life in the pit of hell. <laughs> Marriage does not fix anything. 
marriage simply intensifies like on steroids the condition that you were when you got married. Well, pastor, I wish somebody would have told me that. If you've had my counseling, you were told that and still ignore me. Maybe Absolutely. Everybody I've ever counseled with. Now, I expect you to do these things. I expect you to follow these principles to honor, you know, the, the uh, stipulations, you know, and the, the covenant you made with each other and the stipulations in that covenant. And if you have problems, you're committing to come back to me and I commit not to charge you $5,000 for this intensive. <laughs> and you'd be amazed how many times that I go in one ear and out the other. You expect us to actually keep the stipulations? I had one person who actually folded up their paper, stuck it in their pocket, and said, thank God we're done with this. That was how serious they were about their marriage document. Well, glory to God. I can tell you this, that particular one didn't work out all that well. Amen. And I tell them all, I'm not the one that pronounces you husband and wife. I'm just the agent. I'm just the voice. God is the ultimate voice behind you. He's the one that does this. Married on the love boat, justice of the peace, the little wedding chapel in Vegas or in the Smoky Mountains or in church. God is the one that actually endorses those unions. That's right. Amen. And I'll tell them, it's not going to help. It's going to intensify whatever you are. And I can't tell you how many people after they get married go, Shazam, pastor is right. <laughs> so you can't think that that's going to fix everything. That's going to cause a great change in my life. What's going to cause a change in your life? All right. Probably not the kind of change you're looking for. Amen. Yeah. Oh, yes. If I could just be in the right location, if I could actually have the right friends, I, I need to change my, my church and my ministry. That'll fix everything. No, all it does is set you on a cycle of repetition. And I can tell you this, everybody I've ever pastored thought this way, operated this way. You follow and you track them and you still don't see them walking in God's will to the very day. With great exception. When people try to externalize the way they can change their life and they follow that path, it can become cyclical and you can see them 5, 10, 25, 30 years later and they're still not walking in the will of God. I tell people, you know, people said to me, I'm, I'm doing this to go do ministry. And then I find out, guess what? There's no ministry. Someone will go out and pursue credentials in the name of going to the ministry. And guess what? They got the credentials, but they're not doing ministry. The change is not external. Where is it? It's on the inside. And that change is actually produced by believing in the heart and saying with the mouth. So guess what? Change your hair, your clothes, your zip code, your job, your spouse. Change your friends, your location, your church, and you're still stuck with this reality. If you don't change your words, you will not change your life. But it's so much easier for me to say, it's because of that person, this person, that location, that job, this place, whatever. You're going to be the same person. You're going to be miserable because the thing that is holding you back is not all that superficial external stuff. It's what's in your heart and it's what's coming out of your mouth. Amen. And let me say, these are some of the finest stairs I have ever had in my entire <laughs> ministry here at church. Everything in society is pushing us to blame somebody else for what's going on. The change that needs to take place is in your mouth. John Maxwell said, the first person I should change is me. Amen. 
This is true. And the first thing in me I need to change is the words of my mouth. Say it with me. The first person. person. Everybody say it. The first person person. I need to change change. is me. And the first thing I need to change in me are my words. Now that statement assumes you're already a Christian. Does that make sense? Say it with me. I'm a Christian. If I'm not a Christian, I back up and start with their confession of faith. But we're believers tonight, aren't we? Hey, this is the Overcomers Club. This will be praising the Lord and shouts of glory, amen, after hearing this message. We're the Overcomers Club here. We didn't fall off a log yesterday and hear this for the first time. That being said, then why are we still not doing it? Amen. Glory to God. Say it with me. The first person. I need to change. It's me. Not my hair. Not my dress. Not my location. Not my zip code. Not my spouse. Not my condition. Not my church. Me. Because guess what? You're still you with a different shade of hair color. You're still you with those clothes. Amen. You're still you on that new job, in that new relationship. You're still you in that new zip code. Amen. Amen. Isn't this a revelation? (laughs) Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's still you. It's still you. Amen. No matter what you do, unless you focus first on you. And not just you, but specifically, the first step is the words of your mouth. Listen to this in John 5, 39 and 40. Jesus said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. You're getting all hermeneutical, homiletical, philosophical, theological. And Jesus said, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, and yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I told you, James spoke of this. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew. Proverbs talks about it over 80 times. Genesis 1 tells us how God created the universe. We're told over and over again about the authority of our words and of our mouth. And yet somehow it still goes in one ear and out the other. And we don't translate that into real action in our lives. To do the things we're called to do. To see this as reality, as a revelation. They're searching the scriptures for Messiah. And there's Messiah healing and delivering and raising the dead. And they rejected him and his message. I am telling you the message of the power of your words is throughout Scripture. And those very Scriptures that you're appealing to theologically, homiletically, hermeneutically, philosophically, are speaking loudly about the reality of this teaching and people reject it. Amen. I don't go over that positive confession stuff. Well, you can say that all you want to, but the Word of God completely and totally 100% endorses it and teaches it whether you accept it or not, just like it teaches that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Not two or three witnesses, but dozens, even hundreds of witnesses to this principle. Amen. When the woman with an issue of blood finally got to where Jesus was, what did she do? She touched the hem of his garment. From the time she left her front door until she pressed the crowd, what was she doing? She kept saying to herself, My problem is I don't have a good physician. My problem is I spend all my money on these physicians. My problem is these people won't get out of my way. My problem is my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my brother, my sister. My problem, no, she kept saying to herself, if I just 
In other words, where's the problem? The problem is there. The solution is what? The words of my mouth. And when she touched him, what happened? So much power went out of him that he felt it leave. I mean, he hadn't changed it. There's coming a day where you press into his word in his presence. You pray in the Holy Ghost. You are mindful you're in his presence all day long. That same thing is going to happen to people in this church. The tangible release of the power of God is going to be sensed. I'm not talking about goofy stuff. I'm talking about a real sense that there's a hookup there by faith and somebody receives. That's what he's looking to do in us and through us. Jesus said, you're looking through the scriptures to find the truth on the truth standing before you. People searching for the scriptures for truth and for the newfangled thing, you know, and trying to one-up somebody else or somehow pretend that they know more than somebody else. It's right there in scripture. In other words, your answer is right there. Change your words, change your life. Come on, shout it out. Change your words, change your life. It's right there. But you'd be amazed how I'd just fly right over somebody's head. Now, that said, changing your hair and your location and your zip code, changing this and changing that and changing your church, bless God, changing it all. I'm telling you and I'm letting you know you have been spoken to in faith and in love and you've been warned. You'll be on a rat-chasing mill all the days of your life. You'll never get off of that thing because you are looking in the wrong place for change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, you know what, I'm just going to take responsibility for it. Starting tonight, I'm going to repent of all that. I'm going to ask God just to, you know, to curse all those words I've said, all those seeds, let them die and fall to the ground, bear no fruit. And I'm going to start doing what the Word of God says. This plethora of witnesses of the authority of the words that you speak. I'm going to start lining up my mouth with your Word. And let's see what God does. I'll tell you this, you're going to start seeing some great harvests. Amen. Anybody here need some crop failure, though? Amen. Probably. In other words, the answer is plainly before you. So don't refuse to accept and embrace it. The answer for us is right before us and revealed in Scripture, but many refuse to accept it. This is how you program your life for victory and success. This is how you program yourself for what God has for you in this earth. This is the code. Now, I realize that Microsoft programs crash. No matter how well they're coded, they get viruses in there. And you know what? That can happen to believers, like viruses of doubt and fear and unbelief. They go through things and get hooked into a spirit of grief and sorrow and can kind of shut things down. Uh, you and I can always just reboot. Because somebody tell them it's time to reboot. Not the computer. Not the phone. Amen. Reboot the mouth. And until you get it rebooted, duct tape it. <laughs> Learn the language of silence. Amen. You know, the Bible says that uh, sin is not absent when there are many words. That's not the way it should be. It should be faith is not absent when I have many words. But you're not going to have it if you haven't been pouring it in. The eye gate and the ear gate and the mouth gate. Here's the key. This is what was really my, my spirit, you know, now for several days to share with you. Don't change anything until you first get your mouth under control. 
don't change anything until you first get your mouth under control. Don't change anything until you first get your mouth under control. I can't do that for you. All I can do is just share the scriptures with you. You can't do it for me. If you don't, you'll just end up repeating the cycle over and over again, focusing on superficial things that are not the issue. Amen. Now, there's no great uh, you know, bubble existence in this. You're still going to attract warfare. Amen. When the word goes in, persecution comes. But learning to talk right is going to help you navigate that and stay on track. No matter what comes against the vehicle of your life trying to push you off course, you'll always be able to, what, course correct because you've got the Word of God that's laying out that path for you. Amen. Shout out with me. Don't change a thing. Until you first get your mouth under control. Say it with me again. Don't change a thing until you first get your mouth under control. Amen. I want you to write this scripture down. I'd really like you to meditate on this, and we'll uh, share the rest of this the next time we're together. You program your life for success and victory with the mouth. That's how you do it. In Psalm 78, 41, the Bible speaks of the people and how they related to God after all he did and how they spoke of him. And I want you to listen to this from different translations. And how many know that uh, God's been good to us? Yes. Raise your hand if God's been good to you. Yes. He was certainly good to the people of Israel, wasn't he? Yes. And yet we hear this scripture, the NIV says again and again. Notice that? Not once. Again and again they tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. That's NLT. The NIV says they vexed the Holy One of Israel. How many of you and I should not be vexing and provoking God? But how do you do it? With small thinking, amen, forgetting about what his hand had done, and negative talk, a mouth that does not line up with the Word of God. The King James, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Another translation says they put boundaries around God with their mouth. New American Standard Bible. Again and again, they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. Who wants to go around painting God with our mouth? But that's what they did. They vexed Him. They provoked Him. They limited Him. They pained Him. Listen to the contemporary English and how it renders that. They kept testing Him and caused terrible pain for the Holy One of Israel. I delivered them. I provided for them. I held up the waters of the Red Sea. They crossed over on dry land. I laid them with silver and gold. Not one of them were, were feeble. Their shoes didn't wear out. They always had food. They always had protection. They always had deliverance no matter what came. And yet they continue to think small, forget what I did for them, and run their mouths against me. Amen. What limits God? I, you can do a word search for this if you want to, but I'm telling you, there are very few places in the word construction where it literally says, these things hurt God. 
And this does hurt him. It pains him. No, that's not the problem. It's all these other things. If I could just change all that, then everything would go fine. And God's saying, no, that's not it at all. The message says, time and again, they pushed him to the limit. They provoked Israel's holy God. They amplified again and again. They tempted God and distressed the Holy One of Israel. The Dewey Reims Bible says they turned back and tempted God and grieved the Holy One of Israel. Who wants to make God sorrowful? How do you want to please Him? You can't please Him without what? Without faith. And what's going to be the, the greatest revelation of your faith? The contents of your heart and the contents of your words. You know, in Numbers 14, they're grumbling and they're complaining about the, the promised land. You know what God said? I heard everything you said, and I'm going to bring to pass everything you said in my hearing. He is hearing. He is listening. There's a book of remembrance where he writes down how the righteous spoke right of him. Yes. Every word you speak, amen, will be what? Recorded. You understand what, what's going on here, that non-producing idle words... It's not like he's not paying attention. And not only that, he's not just paying attention. The evil one is paying attention. And where we give God great liberty in our lives to move with words of faith, we give the devil opportunity and open door when our words do not line up with God's word. What vexed, provoked, limited, pained, grieved, Pushed and distressed God? Their mouth. Amen. How many you don't want to vex him? Limit him. Boundaries around what he can do in your life. How many say, I don't want to grieve him? Or hurt him? Or pain him? No. We should want to please him. I don't, even being born again, spirit-filled, under word teaching, I, I don't think that a lot of times we're any different than the people in Israel. Life, experiences, pressures, trouble, and then all of a sudden, here we go again, focusing on everything else and just spewing word out in the universe that's inconsistent with the word of God and wondering why nothing ever changes. 2023 for us is going to be a year of transformation. I want to say transformation. Transformate, transforming into his image, amen. Into his likeness, amen. Everything about us, walking consistent with him. When the devil looks at you, oh no, they're up. Amen. Because you go around town just wrecking the devil's plans. Destroying the works of the devil, which is why he came. That's not going to happen. Search the scriptures and see if Jesus talked contrary to the word of God. Ever. He said, I only do the things I see my father do. And what? I only say what I heard the father say. There is no wasted words, no idle words in his ministry. He is our example. If we're going to have a transformed life in 2023, it's going to come because we have a consistently transformed mouth. And then all the things that are bothering you, troubling you, getting under your skin, causing you hardship, causing depression and discouragement and all kinds of pressure, all those things will come into their right place if you'll first get the main thing corrected. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I'll tell you what the problem is. Come on, look them in the eyes with love and say, it's your big blab mouth. 
How do you program your life for success and victory? You do it with the words of your mouth. Go ahead. If you're still talking the same way in a new hairdo, you're going to get the same results. If you're still talking the same way with a new dress or suit on, you or new jeans on, <laughs> whatever the case may be, you're going to get the same results. If you go to the new job and talk the same way, if you have a new career and talk the same way, if you have a new zip code, talk the same way. If you have a new church and talk the same way, guess what? Nothing miraculous because the answer is not out there. The answer is where? In you. What did the word say in Romans? The word is nigh you. You don't have to what? Go up to heaven to get it, to the depths to get it. Guess what is where? It is what is in your heart and where? That's the teaching of the gospel. Not just, I'm forgiven and going to heaven, I'm not going to hell. That's great. But the mechanism is the heart and the mouth. Amen. So once you get your mouth straightened out, go ahead and change your hair color. Get some new clothes. Amen. Take a trip, you know, whatever the case may be. Go ahead and believe God for that uh, new home, whatever. But don't start with all that stuff. Start with the words of your mouth. And it gets a lot easier if you'll be diligent about putting the word before your eyes, putting it in your ears like you're doing right now. You know, coming to Wednesday nights is incredibly important. Amen. Being in the house of God, yes. And then learning to say words that line up with the word of God. And I've learned this. It does no good for somebody else to try to police your words. All you're going to do is aggravate each other. You have to have the conviction. You have to make the quality decision. I'm going to make this life transformed through the transformation of my words. I'm going to what? Self, please. Remember what I said the other day? How about if you and I correct ourselves before the Holy Ghost even has a chance to? Come on, say, I'm going to correct myself even before the Holy Ghost has a chance to. And how many know he's pretty quick? He's... You say, is he quick for the born-again believer? Yeah, but he's really quick when somebody's spirit-filled. All you did getting spirit-filled was increase the speed at which he brings conviction. Mm-hmm. Amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we self-police? Ah, ah, ah. Dodie Osteen got really sick one time. This wasn't about cancer or anything. That was something else. And he said, you know... He, she would just tell John how bad she felt. And, ever, and he would say, you know what? Stop saying that. Stop saying that. Stop saying that. And finally, they always say, you know, my tombstone, I want you to write, I told him I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the irony of it. By taking those words in and speaking those words out of those confessions, those scriptures she wrote in her book, she's still alive preaching and laying hands on people. Do you know that people are still being sent to MD Anderson with tumors in the brain and they disappear at Lakewood Church when she lays hands on them? Still doing what she was doing back then, was given three weeks to live, verified by her son, who was a chief of staff in Little Rock, said, Mom, they're telling you the truth and the natural. And she got that word out, and she made those confessions several times a day. And three weeks went to five weeks, went to one year, went to five years, went to 20 years. Brother O.C. went home to be with the Lord, and she's still here in 2022, preaching the gospel and praying for the sick. That's a miracle. But you know how it came? This very principle. 
She's changed and got even more diligent. And if you are find her today, everybody that's close to her, from my sister to Renee Branson, who's been here ministering for us, they'll say the same thing. She still speaks those same words every single day. There's power in the word coming in your heart and going out of your mouth. So it's fine to change things, but start with what? Come on, say it in my big blab mouth. <laughs> Let's give the Lord a hand clap tonight and thank Him. Thank you, Father.